All right. <clears throat> I don't have a slick transition for that one. <laughs> didn't, didn't know it was coming, so, you know. But uh, excited. Uh, we are going to be talking about joy today. Uh, and uh, so I'm excited to talk about joy. Right, and that's a great way. Picture. Come on, here we go. <laughs> yeah. we, woo! We got Joya working the projection, getting it going, in on it. It's good. Um, I want to tell you a story about uh, a time I experienced joy in an unexpected place. Um, I was um, I was in my teenage years, and I was able to travel to another part of the country, or another part of the world, and uh, it was a part of the world where they were experiencing. Uh, supernatural healings, multiplication of food. Uh, while I was there, I got to talk to someone who had raised multiple people from the dead as they prayed for them. Uh, I, I sat across from a person and they said that they used to, um, you know, they used to be far from God and uh, they had hemorrhaging in their eyes and they were literally, they would just bleed from their eyes and they were about to die and a a Christian came through their village and uh, prayed for them. And the next morning, they woke up and their eyes were completely better and they were totally healed. And uh, so, so this, these, were, these were amazing things. And yet, the thing that marked that trip for me was actually more than anything else. Those marked me. But more than any of those things was that uh, I was there... Uh, primarily at an orphanage, and uh, there, were a, there were hundreds of kids who had uh, been pulled in off the streets. Uh, no parents, AIDS, flooding, violence, war, you name it, uh, these things had gone on. The thing that marked me as, as a teenager more than anything else was that every one of these kids had joy. They were marked by joy. I, Literally, coming up to this compound we were arriving to, uh, I, I didn't expect to be met, based on what I knew about the people I'd be interacting with, a, a bunch of kids who were filled with joy. And yet I knew some of the stories, uh, the general stories that they had gone through. And one after another after another had been marked by joy. This left an impact on my life for, for multiple reasons, but one was because I found myself thinking and, and continue to, uh, joy can't be just circumstantial uh, if, if their lives are characterized by this. And so it got me asking the question, how can people be joyful in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of wounding in their past, in the midst of abandonment, in the midst of all these things. How? Why? Why do people have joy in the midst of all of that? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Have you ever thought that before? Have you ever had an experience where you saw joy existing in a place where you thought, That's, that almost feels scandalous that joy is there in the midst of that? Uh, how can that be? Why can that be? Uh, maybe 
you know, to push a little, a little farther, maybe personally, you, you sit here. Uh, you know, we sit here in Christmas and we sing, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And there's all these passages in the Bible about joy. And yet, are we experiencing joy? Is it just a by faith kind of thing? And there, there's time for that, you know. Joy to the world, I don't feel it at all, but by faith I'm going to just proclaim it. Um, but how? Have you ever have you had that question? How can I experience joy in the midst of the Advent season? The hustle and bustle, the craziness of it, the, the gift giving, and I don't know about you, but sometimes just the expectation of trying to give all these gifts to meet all these different desires and expectations and things, it can be a little overwhelming and I can lose a sense of joy that is pervasive in my life. And I start going through the motions and I'm thinking, wow, I don't really, I don't really have a whole lot of joy right now, even in the midst of this Advent season. So uh, Isaiah is going to help us look at this question this morning. Why can we have joy? And well, I guess first, can we have joy? Can we expect that we will have joy as we walk with God in the midst of brokenness, darkness that exists around us? And if the answer is yes, how? Why? Why is it that we can experience that? So we're going to go to Isaiah 9. We're in an Advent series here based on Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. Uh, Sean kicked us off last week with an awesome message about hope and the hope that we can have and find in Jesus. The context, before we read through this passage, uh, Isaiah's you know, speaking to Israel, and it's a time of darkness. It's a time of uh, weariness. It's a time of much suffering. And uh, so God speaks a message through Isaiah about a future time that would come. Now the interesting thing as we sit here today and read this, the future time that Isaiah was speaking about has already happened in this passage. Uh, and so Isaiah was looking forward, we're looking back, but Isaiah was describing us. So we're looking at a passage today that's talking about who we are. I'm going to unpack that a little more, but I just want to orient us that we're going to try and learn as he's prophesying about the future and the plan of God as God uh, inter, uh, enters into human history in an amazing way, uh, that there's, uh, that's happened. And so we're, we're going to allow Isaiah to help us understand ourselves and who we are better. Um, I looked up the word Advent just in a kind of a basic dictionary, it says the arrival of something that has been awaited, especially something monumentous or momentous. Um, so that's what we're doing uh, in this Advent season. We're saying, but the, the, we're looking back to understand it uh, better so that we can live it this December, so that we can live out of this place. So let's read uh, Isaiah 9. We're going to read 3 through, five, three through uh, the beginning of 6. This is going to be our main text for today. Well, I'll start at verse 2. 
because it, it fits in the context of beginning what we talked about last week. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You, uh, speaking of God, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as soldiers rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Let's go back to verse 3, beginning of this. It starts as this light, as this light dawns, uh, Isaiah's next word is, you have enlarged the nation. So as, as this is looking forward to a time when God would send the Messiah, uh, the, the one that was longed for, the hoped for one that we now know as Jesus, that's what we're celebrating in this Christmas season, the coming of Jesus. It says that uh, in that time, part of what will characterize the coming of Jesus would be that the nation, the people of God, would be enlarged. That it would be expanded. That it would be multiplied. Uh, this word, nation, here, most times when you see the word nation in the Bible, it's a people word. Uh, it, it's not a, a geopolitical entity. There's other words that get translated for that. But this nation, this is a people so this is talking about us. Like, we are that nation. We are the people of God. I'm really thankful that this was part of God's plan, that the nation would be enlarged. The people of God would be enlarged. Because I don't see a ton of Middle Eastern Jews sitting in here right now. So this is awesome that this is us. Like, this is, we are the fulfillment of this, that God has expanded the boundary of who gets to be included into his people. That no language, skin color, culture, background, any of those things would, would keep us out from the being a part of the people of God. And I would love to figure out sometime, we're not going to do it right now, but even in this room, how many different languages we have represented. It's amazing the picture that just in this room we have, of this prophecy. See, it's, it's maybe not all completely fulfilled, but it's, it's happened. The people of God has been enlarged. Okay, so this, this relates, one, it's awesome. We can celebrate that. That alone is a place of joy that we sit here and see God expanding the people, his people. But it means that what we're going to be looking at the rest of our time uh, it includes us. You're included. So this is a, a we message. Uh, so sometimes, well, okay, no, I'm going to hold off on that. So this is a we message, okay? Let's move forward to, to three, 3B. Three or I've kind of divided this up in my mind to a couple different parts. So to me, this is 3B. 
Uh, you've enlarged the nation and you've increased their joy. And they rejoice before you. So this is describing what we are. What we look like. What, we, what God does on our behalf. And I love that. This is truth we can take to the bank. Uh, even when we're not feeling it. It says that he increased their joy. That he increases their joy. And there's a promise in that. That we don't always feel or experience the joy. Or we don't always walk in that place. But the reality is that if we're part of God's people, he has increased our joy. This is part of why we can rejoice. This word for rejoice is, is a word that, that means basically to, to put into action or to respond to the joy that we have. And so the rejoices are responding to joy that God has put in us. So I was uh, teaching in our training school this past week, and we were talking about this idea of uh, tending your heart, kind of taking care of your inner world. And part of the premise of this, it's one of the core teachings that we do in our training schools, and it's that uh, there's, there's certain things that are true about who we are, our identity as Christians, uh, but... There's, there's, there's different things that come in the way to rob us of experiencing that reality. So, for instance, you've got the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I might have missed a couple, whatever they are, add those in. Uh, joy is right there. Love, joy. So, these are the fruit of the Spirit of God. And if you're here and you've put your hope in Jesus, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. The Spirit of joy lives inside of you. The, and so the whole premise of this teaching that we unpack, and I wanted to do just a quick little summary version, is that just because we don't experience that love, or we're not feeling that joy or peace you know, as you go down the line, it doesn't mean it's not there. Uh, it doesn't mean it's not kind of a reality in our hearts, uh, but that we have to deal with the, some deeper places that are affecting the fruit. So the phrase we use is, if you want to uh, address the fruit, you have to get to the root. So if you want to address the fruit of, I, ha I just don't have any joy, uh, you have to ask the Lord to help you see what's going on at a root level. And usually in those root places, there's lies that we believe that's not based in truth. And it robs us of joy. Uh, there's spiritual oppression that comes against our lives. There's sin that we're living in that we haven't confessed and dealt with and moved on from. And there's places of unforgiveness in our lives uh, that keep us from walking in freedom, in a place of forgiveness. So as we read this, and it says, you've enlarged the nation, you've increased their joy. They rejoice before you. There's a place that we walk in, and I want us to apply it to this Advent season. Uh, there's going to be joy robbers that are going to come our way this Advent season. I promise you that you will have some joy robbers that will come, places of unforgiveness, uh, lies that will come in to rob joy. 
But the reality is that joy is in you. And we just need to know how do we deal with those places. And, uh, one, and so the way we deal with them is we receive. We're going to keep going through here uh, and get to that. But we receive as truth. We forgive in the places of unforgiveness. Um, but the, the thing we have to hold on to is that uh, we are a people with joy. We are a people with joy. I want to explain a, one quick story from my life where I experienced this. It was a number of years ago, but uh, I, was, I was feeling like a failure. Don't know if you've, anyone in here has ever felt like a failure before. Uh, when I'm feeling like a failure, joy usually isn't the primary thing bursting out from within me. I just feel like such a failure. Yes, this is amazing. Um, and uh, this was like, this one particular instance was some, uh, it was deep. It was a deep sense of I'm failing in some major ways. Uh, but it wasn't based, this wasn't based in reality. Um, and so I, it's, it was a hard thing to do uh, because sometimes I want to just sit in that place of self-pity and just be like, yeah, okay, I'm just going to stay here, and it just, ah. Um, but I didn't, I didn't want to just stay there. So I thought, okay, God, what is the truth that you have for me? And I felt like God uh, prompted me to sing out a truth over my life. I hadn't made this song up before, and I felt like he gave me a song in that moment, and the song was was this, and it was, uh, I was declaring this over my life, and it was, I am not a failure in the kingdom of God. I am not a failure in the kingdom of God. And I just started singing it over and over, and something shifted inside of me. And I started to experience joy started to come. Uh, the intense weight of I'm a failure, I'm fear, all these things went away in this place of declaring identity that I wasn't a failure that created joy as, as a way uh, to come out. So for, for any joy robber, there's you know, hundreds of different things that like, could be um, that we... That are, that are kind of at the root there. So what we need is Jesus to help us. And he's with us. We're going we're gonna to keep getting there. We're going to get there. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. As soldiers rejoice when dividing the plunder. So this is describing a little bit of what this rejoicing looks like. There's one main uh, aspect of both of these kind of descriptions. It says they rejoice. So this is helping us, you know, how do we rejoice? We rejoice as those who rejoice at the harvest and like soldiers who rejoice uh, as they divide the plunder at the end of war. So war has ended, it has ceased. I think it's important both of these represent the end of a period of waiting. And so they're representing that one of the reasons we rejoice is because there's places where the wait is over. Uh, I find this especially the rejoicing as at the harvest. I really like that one. I can relate to that one. 
I feel like sometimes I have this irrational fear that I'm just not going to have enough food. I don't know if you've ever experienced that fear. Jesse jokes with me about it all the time. I'll be saying, do we have a dinner plan tonight? And she'll say, we're out of food. Oh, no, the food's gone. And I'll go, don't joke with me about that. Like, like, I don't have any cash on me at the moment. And uh, just, this is, this is serious stuff here. Um, but I don't know. I just, there's, I just, it's irrational, I know, but sometimes I have fear. One of our first, uh, one of our first, like, more financial conflicts in our marriage related to buying blueberries at the grocery store. We're walking through the grocery store, and we've hit our budget limit, and the blueberries were not on sale. I really wanted good, fresh blueberries. And there was just, we had some friction there. It was hitting some deep in me. So I, that moment when you no longer have to wait, but the food is there. That is a time for rejoicing. That is joy for me. Uh, I get, there's, and this is, now that's not exactly what Isaiah was talking about, but it's similar. People would wait for months, and they would have major uncertainty. Is the harvest actually going to come? Is it not? Will the ingredients have been right? Will it not be there? Will we go into a period of famine for a long time? So when, when harvest came, they were able to rejoice it came. And this is the picture that it's painting of our rejoicing in the day that Jesus came. The wait is over. The Messiah, again, Isaiah is speaking forward, but we're looking back. The Messiah came. The wait was over for all that the Messiah would come, all that he would bring, all that he would be. The Messiah came. So there's a rejoicing as we remember that Jesus came. We rejoice because the wait is over. Now the wait for everything isn't over. I realize that. And there's one element in here we're going to look at in just a moment. We're going to see the the full wait isn't completely over. See, sometimes uh, when we look at Old Testament prophecies, uh, I don't know if you've ever climbed a mountain before. And at the top of the mountain, you see a summit. Uh, and you, uh, this happened to me in Guatemala one time. It was amazing. We hiked to the top of the volcano, literally almost died. It was so hard. But got there. And like altitude, I mean, the air was thin, I think. I don't know, but I barely made it. Um, but we got to the top. And there were just mountains as far as the eye could see. It was incredible. But what was really interesting is I couldn't see all the distance between all the mountains. And uh, it just, you know, I could tell there was some distance, but uh, there were miles in between these different mountains. And yet to me, as I looked, I didn't have all the perspective uh, to see that. Sometimes when when we're looking and reading the prophets in the Old Testament, it's a little bit like that for them. That they're looking forward, and God is, is speaking through them and showing them things, but it's, it's forward. They're not there yet. And uh, so even Jesus, for instance, a lot of the time we have passages, and there's some elements in here that have that, where it's, it, they weren't always speaking or knowing about his first coming and then his second coming. 
They're just looking ahead to when the Messiah comes. And yet even in uh, these Old Testament prophecies, we see there's an embeddedness sometimes between his coming and then his second coming. Uh, that there's elements of, of God's kingdom and promises that have broken in and have been fulfilled now. But yet there's elements that we still wait for his return again. And some of that is, is reality in here. And I want to acknowledge that even as we talk about this place of joy. Uh, because there's a lot of things that exist around us that we wouldn't just look at and think, oh, I want to take joy in that very thing. There's still sin that destroys. There's still death that comes. Uh, there's still the weeping and the sadness and the sorrow uh, that comes. And, and Jesus sees that. He's with it. He's with us in it. And as I was, as I was preparing, I, I thought, and was wrestling with that and thinking about it, I got, there's a psalm, it's Psalm 30, verse 5, and it, I think it's 5, and it says, you know, weeping uh, lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And there's this place where uh, there is time for grieving. There's time for mourning. Uh, but it's not... Uh, it's not the residing, it, it comes and it's healthy and we need to go through it. And so if we just suppress the time to weep and to grieve, we're probably actually not going to get to a place where that joy that's in us is really able to live out and, and to be experienced and expressed. But if we, if we make room for the weeping, for the grieving, for the the mourning of the effects of, of sin and destruction and sickness and all these things, uh, and we bring that before God and we lay it before Him, that weeping comes in the night, but in the morning there's joy. And the, the response is that He brings joy. And so even as you're here and it's saying, gosh, He increases their joy. Well, I just don't feel that joy. There's a place where uh, that might be an invitation from God to cry out to Him, to bring your place of grieving, the place of uh, sorrow to the Lord. He wants to meet us there. So then it, it goes on, it continues to describe uh, what, what the, the joy that God's people, uh, the rejoicing that would come as the Messiah comes. It says, for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. So there's this whole part about deliverance that God brings. And so uh, as, as we recognize that uh, we're living in this in-between time between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus, uh, I want to... Maybe challenge is the right word, but I want to challenge us a little bit that I think sometimes uh, we can, because our experience hasn't necessarily been uh, maybe the deliverance that this talks about, uh, or we don't walk with joy, and so then we just throw our hands up and say, well, I guess that'll just come in heaven. I want to challenge us a little bit that uh, this passage seems to be pretty clear that at the coming of Jesus, it brought with us joy for the people of God. It brought with us a place of deliverance 
for the people of God. And so I want us to view this, if you're here and you're saying, I just don't have joy, I'm just not experiencing it. Uh, That is a place to meet with God and say, God, why am I not experiencing the joy that was prophesied that would come to God's people when Jesus came? Um, And that all were included in that enlarged nation. That's a meeting place where you go and you meet with God. Why aren't I experiencing that joy? Where is it, God? I want to experience more of that joy. There's places of deliverance for uh, that this talks about. That he, he breaks the yoke that burdens us. So yes, sometimes we walk in this world with burden. But we can't make room for that and just say, I guess that's just the way it is until I get to heaven. Because this is that he brings deliverance into history, into our history, and he breaks that. And so if there's a place of discouragement, we bring that place of discouragement to him. We say, God, I want to move into those places where your deliverance comes for me. I I, I won't go into detail about this because I've shared it at other times, but uh, a big place of deliverance for, for me was walking through places of sexual addiction in my life. And that was a joy robber. That was a joy robber in my life. And for years uh, of trying to just grit my teeth and get free and kind of deal with uh, desires that I was feeling out of control with at times, there's a place as as I finally brought that stuff, it wasn't that I wasn't bringing it to God, I was, but when I really brought the heart level stuff, you know, that, that if we want to deal with the fruit, we have to deal with the root. I hadn't gone to the root places yet that were hard, that were painful, that were rooted in places of pain. But as I brought those places of pain before God, and I let him speak into those places, uh, deliverance started to come. For me, it wasn't one moment on a prayer line, bam, I was free. But it was step by step as I got alone with God. And as I brought people into the journey, and I brought the deep places of pain and lies and all sorts of things, over time, deliverance started to come. And the joy that came as I started to experience deliverance from a place of addiction in my life, from from the lies, from those places of bondage, as deliverance came, joy came with that. And I'll never be apologetic for being joyful in those places in my life. And I am so glad I didn't just settle for, I guess I'll just be in bondage till I get to heaven. That's not what it says here. It says that he shatters the yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. He sets it free. That's not a guilt word. If you're here and you're saying, I still feel some of this. I've been there. But I hope it's a freeing word to say, I want to go to Jesus. I want to go to Jesus. I want to keep moving towards him. We're going to get there in just a second. It says, for every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. It's interesting, this this section still is using future tense language. 
I found that interesting as I was studying this. Everything else was talking about when the Messiah comes. This is what's going to happen. Here it still is speaking in futuristic language. uh, That every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And if we look around, we can really see that. That there's still war. There's still boots being used in battle. There's still garments being stained in blood. But we can still have a place of joy and rejoicing in this because we know that it's the heart of our Father to do away with this. To bring an end to it. And He's begun. He's begun that. You know, even, even the warfare in the New Testament, it's a different type of warfare than we see in the Old Testament. Uh, it's, uh, the weapons are not the weapons of this world, but that Ephesians, you know, that, that our weapons are, you know, the, the belt of truth, that we bring truth, that it's a, it's a spiritual battle against the demonic forces of this world. So we've got to keep moving, because we're getting, getting close out of time, but um, we can still rejoice that that day is coming, and we can be about bringing more of that reality into our lives here and now. That we can bring peace. And you know where it starts? This is a great Advent practical. It starts in the closest relationships in our lives. To learn how to bring peace into the relationships that have conflict. Into the family relationships that might be difficult. Those are the places where God is bringing, he's wanting to bring peace as we walk with him and we bring peace into those places. So this is the climax, okay? Verse 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. We can rejoice because the wait's over and God has come. Because God has come. Jesus came. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. He's our victory. And he's come. I was doing some research. I want to close with this story. <laughs> I was doing some research uh, about this particular ministry that I told you about in the beginning. And this week, as I was preparing for the sermon, because I was still like, I'm still amazed by the joy that these kids had. And I believe that there was, there's, a, there's an element where uh, as they experienced Jesus, for unto us a son is given, a child is born. It's all about the person of Jesus. Because he came. So as, I believe that as they experienced Jesus, all these things we've talked about, they experienced places of deliverance in their lives. And that led these kids to joy. I believe they they had truth spoken over their lives. And they received truth from God. And they received joy out of that place. That it wasn't all immediate. It wasn't all right there on the spot. But I actually found something as I was reading through uh, this ministry. And and it struck me, it was the leaders of this ministry, and they were talking about their kids. And and I want to read this to you. 
Because this is about those kids that so marked my life. He says this, Sometimes in visions, sometimes our kids have visions of Jesus. And in those visions, they watch Jesus rolling around on the floor in the throne room in heaven telling jokes. And angels slap their knees. We have learned from our kids that heaven is a very happy place. And if you don't like to laugh, you're not going to like heaven very much. (laughs) And he went on to write, we don't set our hearts on joy. When you meet people who all they want is to be happy, it's really frustrating for those people. But when they ditch that and they just want Jesus, when they find him and they get to know him, then joy is an inevitable, unavoidable, non-optional outcome without which our ministry to the broken, to the dark, and to the challenging places would not still be functioning. These kids were transformed because they experienced the joy of Jesus breaking into their lives. This Advent season, what would it look like for us if in every place in our lives, especially the places where we don't have joy, we went to Jesus. We carved out time and space and we got alone with Jesus. Maybe you've never done that before. You've never gotten alone with Jesus and talked out loud to him like he's in the room with you. It's a powerful thing, especially when you go to the, the, the places that are hard. You wouldn't tell other people, and you bring it to Jesus. As we respond this morning, you can all, why don't you all stand up? We're going to respond this morning, and we're going to come to Jesus this morning. Because he's the one that came and he's still here. He's with us today. And he's the one who brings joy. He's the one who increases our joy. He kept whispering to me over and over this week as I was preparing, I want to increase their joy. I want to increase their joy. Make sure you let them know that I want to increase their joy this Advent season. So as we respond, we're going to sing this song again that we sang a little bit earlier uh, about a miracle-working God. It's a miracle that Jesus can meet us in the places of our lives where we don't have joy and lead us into places of joy. That's a miracle. That is a miracle. And so as you as you sing this song, let the Holy Spirit show you places in your life that he wants to walk with you into places of joy this Advent season. And let them be practical. Where are the places where the joy robber is going to come over the next three weeks? And say, Jesus, come in and walk with me. And let this song be a declaration of that. Feel free to turn and pray with one another. If what God is speaking, you want prayer for that. Uh, The front is open. You're welcome to respond to the Lord uh, up here if that's helpful for you as you respond, as you respond to God.
to respond how you need, and let's bring this before Jesus.